Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece. Chapter 29, Dark Ages. The ancient Mycenaeans rose in the 1700s BC and probably fought a conflict we now know as the Trojan War. Their civilization was strong, powerful, well-developed and literate. They traded with their neighbours and became very wealthy. By the mid-1100s, though, they were gone. What happened to them? Why did such a powerful people suddenly disappear? And what happened afterwards? As usual with ancient history, there are a few theories which claim to explain the fall of the Mycenaeans. As usual, the actual cause is probably a mixture of these theories. It is not common for dramatic changes in how people lived to be caused by one thing alone. The fall of the Western Roman Empire in the late 400s AD was caused by a large number of factors. Probably it wouldn't have fallen if just one or two of them had occurred. It is likely to be the same with the demise of the Mycenaeans. The first thing that came along and caused the Mycenaean civilization to have serious troubles were likely to be natural disasters. It seems there was a serious drought around the 1200s BC, which would have resulted in starvation and a weakening of the population. There are records of one of the islands in the area exploding, probably due to a volcano, which could have caused a temporary change in the climate and the amount of rainfall. There is some evidence that there were a series of earthquakes around the region from around 1225 BC to 1175. There is a phenomenon known as an earthquake storm, where one earthquake triggers another and then another and so on over a period of years. A series of earthquakes over a period of 50 years would certainly be a problem. Some people think the Mycenaean people rose up in revolt against their kings who had become too rich and powerful. This is really not very likely, and there is no evidence of any revolution. What about an invasion? This is also very likely, and was probably the final straw for the Mycenaean civilization. At about the time of the fall, Europe was entering the Iron Age. People had learned how to smelt and use the metal iron. Iron is a lot more plentiful than bronze, and is tougher. This meant that within a short time, many different peoples had access to cheap very effective weapons. It is quite possible that this made things a lot fairer in battles. Everyone had access to decent weapons, not just the advanced civilizations, and the fights were a lot more even. At the time the Mycenaeans disappeared, other civilizations also fell, including our old friends the Hittites. The kingdoms in what we now call Cyprus and Syria were destroyed. Even a civilization as strong as Egypt came under attack and Egyptian records described the invaders and tried to make some sense of who they were. They were simply called people from the sea. Now, these people didn't actually come from the sea, they weren't some strange descendants of Poseidon. No, it seems they probably came from the west, probably from the Italian peninsula and the islands of Sicily and Sardinia. Some people think they were the people known in the Bible as the Philistines, who came from what is now Palestine and Israel. Whoever they were, they came in boats and caused a lot of destruction, including finishing off the Mycenaeans. The Egyptians eventually defeated them, but even they were weakened. There is a lovely story about the end of the Mycenaeans. As we know from our telling of the myths, Heracles had quite a lot of children, and his children had children. These were called the Heraclids, or descendants of Heracles. The Heraclids were banished, but promised to come back a hundred years later and retake their lands. 
The story goes that the Heraclids arrived in Mycenae and took the lands on the Peloponnese which had once belonged to Heracles. This is obviously just part of the myths of Greece, but as usual there is a little truth in it. The inhabitants of this area, after the fall of the Mycenaeans, spoke a type of Greek called Doric, and have come to be known as the Dorians. Nobody knows if the Dorians were native to that part of Greece, or whether they came from somewhere else, but they have been identified with the Heraclids. Either way, the Dorians became the dominant people in the Peloponnese after the Mycenaeans fell, during the time we know as the Greek Dark Ages. We will hear a little bit more about them soon. So, the destruction of the Mycenaeans is likely to have had a number of causes, and was not down to a single thing. What is certainly known, though, is that that powerful civilization was no more. The civilization fell, and much of their technology and learning was gone. More importantly, it seems the Greeks forgot how to write. There is no writing found in Greece which dates from the 1200s BC until the 700s. Linear A and Linear B, the scripts of the Minoans and Mycenaeans were lost forever. When writing was rediscovered, a whole new system of symbols were used. After the fall of the Mycenaeans, Greece entered what we call the Dark Ages. And why were they known as the Dark Ages? Well, the Greeks lost the ability to make fire, so it really was very dark. No, this is just an archaeologist's joke. The Greeks didn't lose the ability to make fire. The term Dark Ages does not refer to actual darkness, but to two other things. First, the time is dark to us. Because there was no writing, there is no written record of what happened. Writing from history allows us to shine a light on what it was like for ancient people. Without writing, that light is gone. It is a dark age. Second, life got much worse for the people of the time. For them, it became worse or darker. Life became considerably harder for the Greeks during the Dark Age. This is probably why they stopped writing. The civilization was no longer complex enough for there to be any need to write. Most of the big towns fell into disrepair and the people went back to a simpler lifestyle, mostly involving farming. This was a backward step in the advancement of civilization. People returned to looking after themselves and their families rather than contribu contributing to the civilization as a whole. People stopped producing artworks, again showing that life had become harder and there was no time to waste on frescoes. The surviving civilizations after the invasions of the Sea People no longer make any mention of the peoples of the Aegean or the Greek mainland. The Egyptian writings no longer mention them, nor do those of the surviving Hittites. It is almost as if the Greeks stop existing at all. It is as if they dropped off the face of the earth. Which, of course, they didn't. Later Greek historians like Thucydides, who lived in the 400s BC, say that the Dark Age was a time of wanderings. He mentions that the richest, most fertile lands were often fought over, and the best lands changed hands many times. He says the Dark Ages were a period of migration, that people moved from one place to another in order to improve their lives. Thucydides tells us the period of migration lasted from 1100 BC to around 735. There were still towns in the Dark Ages, but they were smaller and poorer than Bronze Age Greek settlements. When archaeologists have excavated these towns, they haven't found any gold or jewellery, items which were commonly found in Mycenaean cities. As we have said, there is no art 
found at these sites. The Greeks of the Dark Ages were isolated. We can see this in two ways. We have already mentioned there is no mention of the Greeks by the Egyptians and other peoples during this time. There is also no Greek pottery or other Greek items found in Mesopotamia or Egypt or anywhere else that comes from this time. The Greek pottery of the Dark Ages is especially interesting. During the Mycenaean times, Greek pottery was very similar, no matter where it was made. There was a single style used and copied everywhere. As pot making improved, it improved everywhere. This shows the Greeks from all over the Mycenaean world had regular contact with each other. In the Dark Ages, pottery became simpler, which we would expect. What we also see, though, is that pottery found in excavations in one part of Greece is different from that dug up in another. It is easy to tell a pot made in Athens from one made in Thebes. This shows that the Greeks of the Dark Ages had very little outside contact, even with each other. Even the way the Greek peoples buried their dead was different from one place to the next. The lack of contact with other Greeks shows that not only was technology poorer and life more difficult, life was also more dangerous. Unlike in Mycenaean times, nobody was in charge. We all know what happens when nobody is in charge. What happens if a teacher goes out of a classroom for a few minutes? Well, for a little while, everything is OK, because the class expect the teacher to be back soon. Before too long, though, the pupils get used to having nobody in control of the class, and they begin to chatter and break the rules. Not long after that, most children are up and out of their desks and doing whatever they like. Eventually there is pandemonium and fighting as classroom order breaks down completely. This is what happened in the Dark Ages. Things went downhill gradually at first, but soon there was no rule and no law. The people of each area had to look after themselves. This meant that it became dangerous for people to travel too far from home because they were likely to be attacked. So they didn't, and the Greeks became cut off from each other. One of the few things which improved during the Dark Ages was the use of iron. Between 1050 BC and 900, iron working developed a lot. Any metal found in graves dating from about 900 BC is iron, not bronze. It seems that the improvement of the technology of iron working was part of the reasons why Greek civilization eventually recovered and entered a new age, greater than the Mycenaean Age, when the Dark Ages ended. One of the other reasons for the improvement and development of a new Greek civilization was the coming of the Dorians and the Ionians. Another Greek historian, Herodotus, mentions that these two peoples were immigrants into Greece. They were not originally from the Greek mainland. The Ionians settled in Attica, the area around Athens, and also on the west coast of what is now Turkey. The Dorians settled on the Peloponnese in the area which would eventually become known as Sparta. These two areas of mainland Greece are similar to the old kingdoms of Agamemnon and Menelaus. The Dorians and Ionians were very different. The Dorians are supposed to have invented the use of iron and introduced cremation. They probably brought these things from eastern peoples which they had contact with, particularly the civilization known as the Phoenicians. They had their own style of architecture. The Ionians also had their own style of architecture. The two peoples didn't really get on, and would eventually fight against each other in what is now known as the Peloponnesian War. This, though, is for a later chapter.
By the time we get to the 800s BC, things are starting to get a little better. It is clear from archaeological finds that Greeks have begun to have contact with other peoples again. Pottery is again found overseas. A Greek colony existed in Phoenicia, modern-day Syria and Lebanon. The Greeks started to leave their own shore again and colonise other places, such as Italy. The most important development, though, was the renewed use of writing. Sometime in the 800s BC, the Greeks learned to write again. It is quite clear that Mycenaean Linear B writing had been lost forever, though. The script used when writing was rediscovered is completely different from Linear B. Linear B relied on symbols representing syllables. Ancient Greek used symbols which represented letters. The alphabet used by the Greeks as they rediscovered writing was borrowed from the Phoenicians. Both alphabets originally had 22 letters and the order and shape of the letters were the same. The Phoenician alphabet and language were similar to the Hebrew language that still exists today. In Hebrew, the first four letters are Aleph, Bet, Gimel and Daleth. These became Alpha, Beta, Gamma and Delta. The word we now have for the letters we use is alphabet. This simply comes from the first two letters of the Greek alphabet. The Greeks had recovered. With the improvement in the use of iron, the arrival of the Dorians and Ionians and the rediscovery of writing, a new age of greatness was about to dawn. The Greek people began to colonise other lands, they traded with other peoples and became wealthy. Soon they began to have leisure time again. Remember what we said before, if there is time for enjoying yourself then your civilization is doing okay. In 776 BC a very important event took place. Historians are pretty sure that 776 is the date of the very first Olympic Games. The first set of games took place at the site of a place called Olympia, which is why they were called the Olympic Games. They were held in honour of the god Zeus, who seems, by now, to have become the king of the gods. The first Olympics only included running races and wrestling. There was certainly no mountain biking, synchronised swimming or beach volleyball. Soon, Horse and chariot racing, boxing, javelin throwing and other events were introduced. They even had one race which was run in full armour. It is difficult to imagine even Usain Bolt being able to cope with this. The games were held, as they are now, every four years. All wars were stopped while the games were on. Winners of each event were given an olive wreath and a jar of olive oil. This sounds a bit rubbish as far as prizes go. But it wasn't. The jar of olive oil was sometimes nearly two metres tall. Olive oil was very expensive in ancient Greece, and so this was quite a valuable prize. Winners also became very famous. In Athens, they even got a house for life. Pretty soon, there were three other major games. The Nemean Games were held at Nemea, the Isthmian Games were held at the Isthmus of Corinth, and the Pythian Games were held at Delphi. Each year, one of these sets of games would take place, as they were all, like the Olympics, on four-year cycles. The Olympic Games were held every four years for over 1,000 years, all the way through the various ages of the Greeks and well into Roman times. The last Olympics are thought to have been held in 394 AD. By this time, Christianity had become the official religion of the Roman Empire, and the Olympic Games, held in the honour of Zeus or Jupiter, 
didn't really fit in. They were banned, as were all other pagan festivals, by the Roman emperor of the time, a chap called Theodosius the Great. The Olympics were eventually revived in 1896. So, Greek civilization was often running again. The rest of our story will follow that civilization through its period of greatness. A funny thing about the Dark Ages is that the Greek people of that time and later still knew there had been a better time that had gone before. They knew the Iron Age times they lived in were not the same and not as good as what had happened previously. As civilization returned to Greece and they learned to write, the poets and writers of the day often mentioned the better times of long ago. The poet Hesiod mentioned in his writings that he lived in an Iron Age and regretted he didn't live in the heroic age of years before. This is called folk memory. Although nobody alive could remember the Bronze Age Mycenaean civilization that had gone before, the Greeks knew about it. Stories would have been passed down through generations. Nearly 500 years passed between the fall of the Mycenaeans and the writings of Hesiod and Homer. During that 500 years, the stories would have been built upon and the times made to seem even better than they actually were. By the time the stories were written down, they had become truly epic tales. It is very likely that this is how we arrived at the wonderful story of Achilles and Hector and the rest of the Trojan War heroes. Next week, we will chart the rise of the city-states of ancient Greece. Until then, have a great week and I'll speak to you next time.